have worship. Now, how do you know that that what you have done has pleased God? How do you know that? Because the Spirit of God has shared with you a word from the throne room of God. Now, isn't it amazing that I'm just about to speak on that today? For a few minutes, stand with me and honor the reading of God's Word. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye, now watch this right here. And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Father, we thank You for the Word of God. We pray that you'll open our eyes that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. And then, let us open our hearts to apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Now, Father, today we are seeing worship. And we are seeing Jesus Christ speak out of heaven, through the Holy Spirit. And in that speaking, the revelation comes of who we are. We are the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Now, Father, we thank you for speaking. We ask you to continue to do so. And we'll give you praise in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our High Priest, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, we've been looking at the plan of God with respect to salvation. Now, here's the thing that I want to ask you. I want you to consider what I'm about to say. Wouldn't life be easier to live if you knew that you knew that you knew that you could... <laughs> live in a condition of constant communication with Jesus Christ. Now, I've had people say to me many times over the course of years, well, I would have loved to have been there. I would have loved to have walked the earth with Him. I would have loved to have been there when He fed the 5,000, when He rose the dead, when the widow of Nain's son was resurrected. I would have loved to have been there when the blind men came to him. I, I would have loved to have seen it. I would have loved to have just sat and listened to him teach. Doesn't that sound nice? We, we could walk with Jesus and we could have been there <coughs> as he was going about teaching those that were Jews about the Father. Wouldn't that have been awesome? But no one has ever told you this. You don't have to be back in the days of long gowns, long beards, long hair and sandals to hear from Jesus Christ. You don't have to have walked the earth with Him to hear from Him. Not necessary. As a matter of fact, everything that you have ever heard preached and taught from the Old Testament, all of it, 
All of the Bible stories that they're telling today in some church that somebody's sitting back there and saying, how many times are you going to tell me about David and Goliath? How many times am I going to hear the story about wrapping water like a dog? How many times am I going to hear the story about Saul and David? All those stories had one common factor. You know what that was? Now, we, we will believe in these. We will take them. We will teach them. We will teach them Sunday after Sunday. We'll teach them from the cradle to the grave, never understanding there's one common factor in all of it. Who can tell me what it is? What is the common factor? In all of those Bible stories, what's the common factor? Hmm? No. God spoke to a man. You go back to Noah, to Moses, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, all the way through all of the judges and Isaiah and all of the prophets and David and all of them. God spoke to a man. That's what the Old Testament is all about. God spoke to Abraham, and Abraham began a people that would be as many as the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. God was speaking to men. Yeah, that's what God does. He's done it from Genesis to Malachi, from Matthew to Revelation. He speaks to men. But no one wants you to know that, except me. They want you to listen to the great stories of the Bible as if they're put off somewhere in an umbrella of which God does not choose to open up in the modern-day church. They want you to see God as a far-distant man spirit sitting on a throne and beside him is this other far distant man. And this far distant man, he just sits there with his feet up. That's how they want you to see him. The truth of the matter is, God from Genesis to Malachi and Matthew to Revelation has been speaking to men. This is nothing new. This is nothing different. God speaks to his creation. That's what he does. That's what he's always done. He never stopped doing that. God speaks to his people. Now, but his people have chosen not to listen. His people have chosen to become stiff-necked. His people have chosen to reject him, and I'm going to show you that sometime today, where we, according to the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 28, have determined that we're not going to listen, that we're not going to go that route. We're not going to believe that God can... Why would we want to live a life where we can hear from the devil, but we can't hear from God. 
Why would we want to live a life where we can literally be led by evil from our own mind, but not want to have our mind reconciled, restored, and renewed so that God can tell you something? Why would we want to live like that? Why would we want to call ourselves Christians and stand up in our own power and attempt to combat the devil? Why would we want to live like that? Well, God made a way whereby man could be complete in him. God made a way. If you look at the scripture I read today, as you look at verse 10, you're going to see some words, five, six words right there. And ye are complete in him. Now, him is Jesus Christ, the man in the Godhead bodily. What makes you complete in him? Well, he has become the head over every principality and every power. Now, you don't see that come up there as the way Paul identified it in Ephesians chapter 6, do you? No, you don't see the rulers of darkness in high places and all of the powers that are in the underworld mentioned. You just see them put into two categories. In this principality and power of which he is head over includes every dominion. It includes heaven, it includes earth, and it includes hell. Everything is under his Godhead. Now, I want you to notice this. In the Old Testament, do you know that all of the works of the Old Testament were produced out of the Godhead? Everything that happened came out of the mind of the Godhead. Nothing that was done in a man when the Word of God said, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, the Godhead was producing. Nothing that happened in the Old Testament happened without the production of the Godhead. Now we see that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That means that all of the power, all of the presence, all of the prestige, all of the worship, all of the honor, everything that has to do with the Godhead resides in Him. Now, because of who He is and what He has done, you have become complete in Him. What does that mean, Pastor? It means something that you don't understand. It means that you have become those who had the ability to have him speak directly to you. You had the ability to have him speak directly into your life and give you a word that comes directly from the throne of God into your life. Now, the word that was spoken this morning, now I'm going to show you where the correlation to that word is. Jesus said, my glory will I give you. Didn't he say that in John 17? He said, my glory. What, what is the significance of that? When we parallel 
Philippians chapter 2, where the Bible said that his name is the exalted name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is turning around and saying to you, I'm going to exalt you to the same extent that I am exalted. Why would that be, Pastor? Because you're complete in Him. I am going to give you the same glory that I have myself. How could that be, Pastor? He is the exalted child of whom God has raised up and whom God has said that in His name every knee would bow and every tongue. How could we walk in that glory? Because you are complete in Him. You are as complete as He is. How come? Because he is the man who took the body to the Godhead. Why is that important to me, Pastor? Well, I want to tell you why his body is important. Because his body is the one that has served to be resurrected in deliverance. His body is the one that served to become the high priest over his own sacrifice. His body is the one that walked through the tabernacle of the place and the holiness of God made without hands and sprinkled his blood upon the vessels of ministry. His body is the one that walked into heaven and God said, there he is. He is the exalted Lord, the victorious Christ, the one who has overcome death, hell, and the grave. He is the exalted Lord. What a great God. Now that Paul said, you are complete. You're complete. Why, Pastor? Because that victorious body sat down at the right hand of God. Peter, when he was talking about this in Acts chapter 2, said that there was a man that you crucified, but he was a man approved by God. Now, if Jesus Christ is approved by God, then your belief system upon who he is and what he has done makes you approved by God. You can't get around it, can't get over it, can't get through it. You are complete in Him and you are over every principality and every power that comes against your life. Hallelujah! You are complete in Him. Now we don't know that. We don't understand it. We don't get it. Why? Because we are attacked at every hand. Why are we attacked at every hand, Pastor? Why are we attacked at every hand? Why are we left to dangle, it seems? Because we don't understand this principle. For you to come into the completeness of the Godhead bodily, 
It is your responsibility to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It is your responsibility not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will never come into the completeness of God until your mind gets taken care of. You will never come into the completeness of your mind until your tongue gets taken care of. You will never walk out of the fire that your tongue produces until you yield your tongue to the man in the Godhead. Oh, now, Pastor. You talking about Pentecost, ain't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because this is what we know about what the man approved by God did. Because down along about Acts chapter 2 and verse 33, Peter unfolded it to us. He said that he went and was seated at the right hand of God. What happened then, Pastor? Tell us if you will. He sent the promise of the Father, of which you see manifested in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, of which they heard, but the world doesn't hear it anymore. The world doesn't hear it anymore, friend. Why doesn't the world hear it? There it is right there, Acts 2, 33. Therefore, being by the right hand of God. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. What was he? Exalted. What did he do for you? He gave you that same exaltation and said you are completed him. And having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed this that you now see and hear. That's a doctrine we don't want to go after. It's a doctrine we don't want to believe. Now let's look at why. Let's go down to Isaiah chapter 28 verses 9 through 13. I'll go as far as I could go, and then I'll get done and finish it up tonight. Isaiah has given a prophecy. What's that prophecy about? It is about what occurred in Acts chapter 2. Let's look. Whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Who are we talking about here? We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about man in the Godhead bodily. We're talking about the man, Jesus, who died on Calvary's tree so that you could be healed from transgression, iniquity, lost peace, and so that you could be healed in spirit and in physical body. We're talking about the man, Jesus, who took your flesh and his flesh to the tomb and there buried it so that the, the flesh could have absolutely no influence. We're talking about the man, Christ, who went into the very depths of hell paralyzed hell through the Holy Ghost. Think about that. We look at this thing and we say that's what Jesus did. Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Ghost, paralyzed hell to the extent that he was able to walk in in the very throes of defeat and turn it into utter and absolute victory and take the keys of death and hell, rattle them in the face of the enemy, paralyzed, and come out. Came out as a new man with a new body. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What new body was that, Father? Well, it's the body John saw. The body John saw. John saw him with uh, uh, eyes like fire. 
John saw him robed in white. John saw him with his hair like wool. John saw him with a new body. They did not recognize him when they saw him. But when John saw him on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation, John described a man that was full of power, a man that was full of a body that had come through with feet that had been burned in the fire, but had come through to have a body that was prepared to be the exalted body that would sit at the right hand of God. Oh yeah, John saw that body. So did they. Those on the road to Ephesus saw it. Those in the upper room saw it. They didn't know who it was. They didn't know what it was. Now watch it now. Watch it now. Watch. But then he spoke. When he spoke, they recognized him. They didn't get him until he spoke. He said, peace be unto you. Peace. And they said, it's the Lord. They didn't recognize his new body. They didn't get the new body. But they got his voice. Now that is important. They got his voice. What did Jesus say? My sheep will know what? My voice. Now he sits at the right hand of the Father. He's glorified. But he has sent back the Holy Spirit. According to Acts 2.33. Why? For what purpose? So that his people could hear his voice. So that you, in the day and time that you live, could hear his voice. So that you, who want to walk as they walked, could actually walk as they walked and could hear the voice of Jesus Christ. Now, 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 pastor, they spoke in tongues. Yeah. Why did they speak in tongues? Now, I'm going to tell you something you don't know. Why did they speak in tongues? Because there had to be an evidence of the influence. If there was no evidence of the influence, then all they had was what they could think. Their influence came out of the natural realm. Now we see why the church is so messed up. Because we have no evidence for influence. We have nothing of evidence that says that evidence is an influence of which we must follow. But yet we come in here with 27 people. We sang some beautiful songs. And guess what happens? The evidence of the influence begins to flow. The touch of the presence of God begins to move in our midst. A word from heaven by a little lady who simply loves God, loves his word, and is willing to yield herself, speaks a word that says, you are as worthy as he is, 
and probably did not recognize what Jesus Christ himself said about that word. Because he said, I'm giving you the worthiness, my glory. See, we come in here and we're able to enter into a realm where he speaks. There are churches today that have hundreds. Hundreds! Nothing is going on there except somebody is telling a nice little Bible story. Nothing is happening there except someone is telling them something about something. Now watch what I just said, about something. We're not living this life to find out about something. We're living this life to experience something. To live out something. The spirit of life that is Christ Jesus is living out of us. How come, pastor? Because he's speaking. He's speaking. He's speaking directly to us. He is talking directly through us. Now listen to what Isaiah prophesied. Isaiah said, who shall he teach knowledge? Someone said, yes, pastor, but we've got the word of God. We've got the word of God. Well, that would be great. And that is great, except Paul did not stick to the word of God. Paul said, now watch what he said. He said, I'm coming to you in revelation of what? The word of God. But I'm further coming to you to demonstrate the Spirit of God. The Word of God, without the demonstration of the Spirit of God, becomes the dry, mundane manual that people look at and say, that's nothing but a book of rules. It's nothing but a book of do's and don'ts. It, I read an article this week, a number of them. Why men are being driven away from the church? Why worship is not safe? Uh, why women no longer want to go to church. And I say to myself, well, when the book becomes a book that is a book and not a book of revelation and demonstration, I can understand it because there's no experience. There's no influence. There's no evidence. It's just a story. Talked to a football friend of mine one time. Back in the days when Wake Forest was losing, he said, Mike, I wish you could come and speak to our football team. I said, why? He said, because I am so tired of hearing the story of David and Goliath every week. David and Goliath. David and Goliath. David and Goliath. And every week, it seemed like for Wake Forest, Goliath won. <laughs> what a sad thing, huh? If you have no evidence, you will have no influence. If you have nothing that comes from the throne room of God, you'll have no demonstration. So Isaiah prophesies and says, now, who's he going to teach? Now, we're about to see something here that I want you to pay close attention to. Isaiah, speaking of Jesus, of course, as he pins this prophecy, the question is, who's he going to teach? So that tells me that he has a style. A method, a means to teach somebody something. Someone said, yeah, pastor, we've got the word of God. That is true. But I want to tell you, I want to ask you a question. 
If the Word of God was all, then have you ever picked up the Scripture that you have read over and over and over and over and over, and all of a sudden something about that Scripture jumps off the page at you? Has that ever happened to you? There is something when you see it that you say, my Lord, I never saw that before. What happened? What happened? It's called revelation. It's called the Spirit of God quickening, making something alive to you. That was once just a word on a paper. So then the question begs, without that revelation, is the word enough? Without absent of the Spirit of God, opening your eyes to understand as Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, is the word enough? Well, the church wants you to believe that. The general church wants you to believe that, that revelation, there is nothing to add to it. We're not adding anything to it. We are listening and looking and seeking for the rest, R-E-S-T, of which it provides. Oh, well, I'm going to show you that in just a second in Isaiah's prophecy. Now, notice what he said. Who can I teach and who can I give doctrine to? Huh, isn't that interesting? The answer is clear. Now look at it here. Look at what it said. Who am I going to teach and who am I going to give doctrine? Those that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Are you weaned from milk and drawn from breast? That's a question you have to answer. Are you weaned from milk? And drawn from the bed. Or are you still living in the same old shallow condition? In the same old shallow doctrine? In the same old word that your mama and your granddaddy and your grandmama and all of those who were whatever flavor they were came up to live the shallow life? Are you still living in milk? Are you still satisfied with the struggle is the question. Now, I want to show you this. When they were filled with the Holy Ghost, was there a struggle? Well, we know that Peter was locked in jail. We know that they brought him and said, don't do it anymore. And he said, I don't know about you, but I can't listen to you. I got to listen to God. They said, don't do it anymore. And they whipped him a little bit and sent him home. Was that a struggle? Not to Peter. Because Peter began to glorify God because what he had done was live life according to the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God had set him free. When they locked him up and they were praying and saying, Oh, God, deliver him. The angel of God came, took him out of jail, brought him to the place where they were praying. The girl came to the door and couldn't believe what she heard. Was there a victory that night? Yes. Yes, there's a victory. See, friends, we can live life in the struggle of suppression. 
oppression, depression, and anxiety of the devil. We can do it. I want you to listen to this message that I preached on aborting the new birth. Because the message the world is telling us is that you can't lose your new birth. No man can take it away from you. That's the message they want you to think. Therefore, you can live like you want to. And inside you rest this dormant DNA that says you're born again. The problem is, think about this. The two people that God created, when they chose to live that way, the Bible said, He told them, if you do it, you'll die. And guess what they did? They died. So those that are believing that I can be in once in grace, always in grace, and live any way I want to, and when the day comes, the trumpet sounds, God's going to call me home. I'm going to heaven just like everybody else. The problem is they have aborted, aborted the new birth. How did they abort it, Pastor? They neglected it. You take anything that is birthed, whether it is a seed, whether it is a child, whatever it is, you neglect it, you lay it down and leave it alone, you grump or drop it off in a dumpster, you don't water it, you don't shade it, you don't give it sun, guess what? It will die. Abortion did not come about in this country on accident, friend. Abortion is the act that is giving us the picture of what is happening in the new birth of those that we are telling you're okay, you're going to heaven. I heard one of the greatest preachers in our generation stand and talk about a girl who was living in open sin and said about her, but I know she's saved, huh? The Bible said, he who sins shall surely die. We're aborting it, friends. But yet the church has the ability to walk in sound doctrine, has the ability to have evidence and influence from the very throne of God given by Jesus Christ. Don't you desire that? Don't you desire to hear from Him? Don't you desire to know what He's thinking? Let's go to the next verse. I want you to look at this verse. Hold on just a second before I go there. Now some of you would say to me, Pastor, He's taught us to pray. Obviously, according to Isaiah's prophecy, that's not enough. Pastor, He taught us about the Father. Obviously, according to Isaiah's passage, there was knowledge and understanding that would bring you off of the word, off of being living on a diet of milk. Obviously, there's something more. That's the point of this. Obviously, there's something more. There's something greater. There's something deeper. There's something that you must experience in order to hear the Word of God come directly from the Holy Ghost into your life. The question is, do you want it? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'll be done. Paul now talking says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual. That's where our world is today. We can't be spoken to as spiritual people. Because we are carnal minded. We're earthly minded. 
We think on things that come out of our natural man. We are babes in Christ, according to what Paul said. Paul told him, I have fed you with milk, not with meat. Now, by the same token, he turned around and told the people at Ephesus, who in Acts chapter 19 had been born with the Spirit of God with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, he said, you are the ones who have trusted and believed in Jesus Christ. And you are the ones who are being given knowledge, revelation, and understanding and wisdom. You're there. Huh. Look at what he said. I have fed you milk, not with meat. For here there too you were not able to bear it. I'm going to ask you this question in clothing today. Are you able to bear meat? Are you able to bear the evidence and the influence that allows Jesus Christ to speak into your life? Or, or have you by irresponsibility, by lack of accountability, chosen by your own choice not to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Because if you have chosen that, you will not hear the evidence of influence. No, you will be conformed to the thought processes of the world. You will remain on milk and risk aborting the very new birth of which has been born in you. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, <laughs> not done here, but I'm finished for today. You have spoken to us today, and that is an awesome thing. But there are those here and listening to whom you do not speak because their ears are not open to that purpose. Their ears are not open to hear you give instruction from the throne room of God because they refuse and reject the Spirit of God. Jesus is the man in the Godhead. It is your voice that we crave. It is your voice that we want to hear. As you say peace. Peace. But it is your voice. That we. Cannot hear. Until we surrender our tongue. To speak the evidence. That will bring your influence. You're the man in the Godhead. Your reason for being there is many but your intention to the church is that the Holy Spirit would be released into your people through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we then could hear the direct voice flowing from the throne. 
Today, God, I ask you to solve our minds. I ask you to bring peace into our minds. I ask you to minister repentance to everyone under the sound of my voice. Bring, bring repentance. We repent for rejecting truth. We repent for rejecting the Holy Spirit. We repent, God, today. Because the means and the method whereby you plainly and clearly have designated yourself into our lives, that means we've turned away from it. But God, today, we repent. We repent of it, God. We repent of it. Now, Father, we stand to release your presence. To release what is stirring on the inner man. We stand today to release your evidence. We stand today to simply say, Spirit of God, speak through me. Because with all of my heart and with all of my life, I want to hear what Jesus says. Speak through me. Speak through me now. While you stand there, I want you to consider what is stirring in you. What is stirring in you? What is stirring in you? And then I want you to open your mouth and I want you to begin to speak out what is stirring in you. I want the Holy Spirit to gain the evidence and the influence of your tongue. And you begin to speak that forward. Let the Holy Spirit have yield your tongue. And you begin to speak that forward. Now once you have spoken that forward, then I want you to begin to speak what you're hearing afresh in your mind from the Spirit of God. Because He is going to tell you today answers to your personal needs if you will allow the evidence to express itself through you. He's going to begin to tell you the things, the answers to the things you've been asking about. But you're going to have to begin to speak and evidence that exposes His influence. You're going to have to let that tongue yield. And then the Holy Spirit is going to begin to speak through you the answers for which you have been searching. Just let that tongue go. Let that tongue go. There's nobody close by you to hear. Just let that tongue go. Begin to speak in that language. That holy language that says the evidence of the Holy Spirit which is speaking in direct reflection to what Jesus Christ has told him to say. Now the influence resides upon you. Then begin to speak the words from the throne room of God that Jesus is saying to you. This is the answer you need. This is the direction you need to go. 
These are the thoughts you need to have. This is the, the healing that your body requires. All comes right out of the man in the Godhead through the evidence of influence of the Holy Spirit. Turn your tongue loose and begin to speak in that language. It's a language you don't know or I don't know. I heard someone say the other day, well, it's a, no, it's a known language. Yeah, my friend, but there are hundreds of languages that are now extinct. But they were languages. But their languages, God knows. Turn that tongue loose. Turn that tongue loose. Yield your tongue to the evidence so the influence can begin to speak through you. speak into this body and I say that Jesus Christ is Lord he's Lord of your body he's Lord of your kidneys he's Lord of your welfare by the influence of the Spirit of God heaven speaks today heaven speaks strength into this body by the influence of heaven Jesus Christ sees you He's ministering in your life. Release that ministry and progress in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, by the influence of the Spirit of God. I lay hands on you today. I don't have anything in myself, but in the spirit world, I can say to you that healing belongs to you. Healings from hurt belongs to you. Jesus Christ has loved you. He has exalted you along with himself, and you are complete in him. You're absolutely complete. Walk in completeness. Walk in freshness and newness. Don't look back. Don't turn back. Don't think back. Just move forward. Release it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to the Lord. Father, minister right here. Under the influence of the Spirit of God, I speak peace. I speak release. I speak the Spirit of God into you. The direction 
that will show you things to come and give you words to speak. The truth of ministry in your life. The power and the presence of God working in you to lead others to know me, saith the Lord. Father, we praise you today. When the evidence and the influence come into being, people are placed in soundness. That's what happened in Acts chapter 3. They're placed under the influence of soundness. Peter said, this young man that you've seen rise up, he's risen up because he believed on the name of Jesus Christ in this body is now sound. Sound, glory to God. How much better can it get than when the Holy Spirit speaks and Jesus is talking into your life. Father, I thank you for the Word of God. I speak to those of you on Facebook today and I tell you under the influence of the Holy Spirit that if you will release your tongue be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ will begin to speak influence out of you that will meet your need. That will answer your questions. That will give you a firm path of direction. He will bring about influence from the throne room of God that you will be able to say, isn't that what he did for David? Isn't that what he did for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Huh? Isn't that what he did for Noah and Moses and Isaiah? And all of the prophets, he brought direction. He brought convincing that he was working. Now, Father, I praise you today. Bless every one of them. Bless those in our hearing as we give you a great praise for what you have done. And we will glory in your name. Walk in evidence and live under the influence. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our high priest our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. God bless you. Six o'clock tonight. Thank you.